Good morning, good morning, everybody. Everybody, James, Brendan, Alison, Aaron, good to see you on this morning. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. Morning for uh, Welcome to another Wealth Coffee Chat, folks. Hope your uh, weekend was awesome and well. Luke, Kylie, Bob, great to have you guys on this morning. Do some little quick intros while the old live stream's warming up, folks. Jason Witten's my name. If you don't already know, most of you do. However, if you're new and you're wandering by and uh, this is the first time you're uh, dropping by for Wealth Coffee Chat, maybe you've just joined our mentoring and coaching program. Maybe you found us in one of our groups. Welcome. Let us know in the chat where you're dialing in from and what you're uh, what you're up to. Uh, we've been meeting each morning for, I think this is our third year now, 2020, 2020, 2021 and 22. Uh, we started this, as many people did, because of the, the COVID lockdowns, um, but uh, now we're continuing it because each day there's a, uh, a barrage, folks, a barrage of data, information, uh, media mayhem that uh, we as property investors must navigate and understand. And uh, it moves so fast, we need to do it daily. We need to keep on top of things. We need to keep ourselves focused, eye on the prize. We've got a couple of sayings around here. You guys know these ones, I'm quite sure. The idea, this idea of investing in real estate residential property investing for a passive income in the future. It's a marathon, not a sprint, folks. It takes time for your property portfolio to do what it needs to do. Uh, And a fundamental, foundational piece is to buy well and do not sell. Buy well, never sell. Pretty important for you and I to leave our properties alone for them to do their thing. Anyway, there you go. Welcome. Wealth Coffee Chat. This morning, I thought we might look into the future a little um, together because you guys uh, should know this. Some of you already know this. We have six key drivers that uh, that drive the markets along. Put them in the chat. Play along. Uh, we've talked about this numerous times if you've been here multiple times before, but uh, whack that stuff in the chat. The six key drivers that push our residential market along, folks, um, as we go. And um, let's see how many we can sort out. So number one, the yeah migration. We're going to talk about that today, population migration. Um, number one, interest rates. Now, and, and I'm talking about the ones that um, – so it, it sort of goes from top to bottom in speed and influence, actually, if, if we sort of – if we'd rate them. So interest rates can change fast. Um, uh, you've got supply and demand can change pretty fast. They kind of get uh, get motivated by lower interest rates or higher interest rates slows things down a little bit, but supply and demand can, can push through that. Um, we've got politics. Uh, they're the loonies. They, they changes uh, over time or they change their... Uh, Politics and policies, you know, change the change their minds about things. Um, as we as we go along, it's uh, there you go. And so jobs, 
uh, slash employment, folks. Uh, we've got infrastructure. Infrastructure. Uh, infrastructure. So that's where the governments and the state governments and money is being spent and, and pushed into the the market uh, in a significant way. Luke is onto that uh, as well. And uh, last but not least, population, folks, population. Okay, so we have our six key drivers here in the world of real estate. Uh, and uh, for many of us right now, we're, we're thinking about how are these affecting, well, you should be, how are these affecting maybe my short-term behaviour, but more importantly, my medium and long-term behaviour, folks, uh, as a property investor. And this is what I want to sort of touch base on this morning when it comes to you and I in our world of investing. What are we doing? How are we looking here when it comes to these things? Now, let's have a look. Interest rates, interest rates at the moment. So, if you wanted to tell me in the chat right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go short, uh, medium, and long right now. Short, medium, and long. Tell me in the chat what's the short term, um, the short term interest rates doing to the marketplace. And maybe, maybe this will work. I didn't think, I didn't uh, plan this one out this morning, but I thought we'd sort of do it. So, the short term. Let, let's go. So, potentially at the moment, the short term interest rate behavior or feeling is there's some negativity about it. Interest rates are going up for the first time in a long time, okay? Now, does that mean that it's negative for a long time? That's probably more the more the question, and the answer is no. So medium term, I, I'm, I'm actually quite positive about interest rates, uh, and long term, I'm quite positive about interest rates when it comes to, you know, short term, uh, negativity going on, folks, but medium to long term, still quite positive. Even when the interest rates get to four and a half, five percent, uh, and that's the trajectory at the moment, it looks like it's going to. Um, listen, that is still very low, uh, low interest rates, very low interest rates, folks. Um, lower than the long term average of, I think it was six and a half percent. So, I'm I'm okay with that. Supply and demand, short term, short term. Here's the things that for me, negative short term, as in, uh, we're not looking at looking at it from us as a property investor right now. So negative, medium term, it's there's some negative issues, uh, and and long term, I'm sure it will swing around. But when we're talking about the time frame for supply and demand, folks, you know some of the approvals. You know, medium density approvals in Brisbane have dropped ninety five percent, ninety five percent, folks down. So, you know, we've got an issue here. We've got an issue. Uh, politics. <laughs> well, you know, let's have a look at that. At the moment, I'm going to call it positive, and not because uh, I like one or another party, but just because we've had an election. It's done. All right, it's done. Okay, medium term uh, positive. Uh, and long term, I'm going to put it sort of neutral, okay? Um, because let's say we, we kind of know who we've got for the next four years, um, but there are some states, uh, there are some states at the moment that might be, you know, making some waves for us as property investors when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to 
rental rises and stuff like that. We've got to keep an eye on these things. All right, so we've got jobs and employment. Listen, right now it's positive, positive, uh, and I reckon, you know, I, I, we'll just put it neutral long term because we don't know, all right? So it's positive, medium and short term for jobs and employment. Go Australia. Infrastructure is looking very positive, medium and long term, all the way to the uh, to the We've got the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne, folks. We've got um, the Olympic Games in Brisbane. Uh, we've got the Badgerys Creek, new airport approved in Sydney going ahead. There is so much infrastructure happening right now, ladies and gents. Extremely good um, medium, short and medium term. And I reckon that's going to be positive long term for the country and all of us as property investors as well. Right. So we get to the one, we get to this driver. And if you have a look at this, folks, um, these these drivers um, can take time uh, to really kind of bed down, if you know what I mean, right? So as we go, um, well, yeah, it, yeah, the federal government might try and mess with negative gearing. I reckon what we're going to have behind Right now, my feel is I think they'll leave those ones alone. They're going after some other taxes. You'll see some other taxes. So the state, some of the states are having a look at land tax. So that, you know, Queensland's being a pain in the behind. Uh, and uh, there could be some, there could be some squeakiness, folks, about managing rental rises. So, and here's my call for all of anyone listening in right now. You need to get your rents up. Um, <laughs> you might be right, Alison. Yeah, yeah. Those and the uh, the the big uh, conglomerates who don't pay enough tax in Australia, um, give them a nudge for a bit. You know, um, uh, if you haven't put your rents up, make sure you keep an eye on it. Like the sooner you get your rents up, the better off you're going to be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All right. So anyway, let's let's talk about population. Today's conversation is about this one, about population, the future, uh, medium, short, and long term, about what is going on with our population. Unfortunately, we're not having enough babies, uh, so we're not growing our population uh, naturally, organically. I was going to say organically, naturally. (laughs) I don't know what the word is. (laughs) Don't have enough babies. Uh, our population's getting older. So let's have a look at some of the stats the other day and sort of say, well, look into the future or potential future about population and what's going on, where's the numbers, and let's have a bit of a look. Right, I've got some stuff here. Here's some stuff I prepared earlier. Right, now these projections look pretty good. Where are we today? 25 million people, 2022. So we're looking, you know, 30-odd million people by... 30-odd million people by um, by 2030. Now, that's not far away. That's eight years away, folks. That's, what's that, four million people, four, three to four million people in eight years. That's pretty good. Where are they going to live? This is my question to you. I don't know, what is it? Is it 26 million right now? Um, let's just do that. Let's just do 26 million Um. Where are the 3 million people going to live? Where are they going to live, folks? Right? Uh, and beyond, if we look beyond, you know, there's some pretty interesting um, statistics as we go. 
Um, where are they going to live? There's a severe shortage. We are going to be plagued by by new property shortages for at least five years. That's my call, folks. It's my call right now. Our supply chain is severely disrupted. What will happen right now, because investors, investors bring new properties to market, folks. That's how that's how this works. It's not owner-occupiers by and large. Even though that big construction or big first home buyer boost of recent times came through, that wasn't that wasn't supply to the rental market, folks. That was not rental market supplies, okay? That was owner-occupiers, first-home buyers, um, you know, moving into the market um, as we go. 1.5 million houses. Yeah, that could be right, Luke, you know? So where are they going to live? What's going to go on here? Um, you know, talking to a few people, the, the government goal is to bring in to the country uh, about 250,000 people a year when it comes to migration. So this is that's interesting. We're, we're looking looking at that. Where is that migration uh, coming from at the moment? Well, let's have a look at this. Um, where are the countries? Number one country uh, is the English. The English. That's our first. Um, that's our first um, overseas migration. Uh, country of birth at the moment. This info is from the uh, the recent census, folks, uh, and um, it's over the last five years. So, so you know, interesting, and uh, supplied by uh, the team at McCrindle Research. They did uh, a bit of a thing the other night at mentoring for us, which was awesome. Some of you guys have probably already seen some of this data, which is kind of cool. Number two, uh, Indian um, uh, birth, country of birth. China, number three, uh, and, you know, kind of number three, New Zealand. So there you go. There's our top three places of immigration or migration. Immigration. It's immigration, isn't it? Immigration. Um, there you go, which is interesting. So what does that mean to us? You know, where's the uh, – what's the population looking like today? And this was a really interesting one as we go along, you know, um, and this was from the difference between 2016 and 2021, um, um, the difference in the age groups, all right? So, you know, where's the largest age group, folks? The largest age group right now in the country is the Gen Yers, okay? And, we, and we've got sort of, you know, they're, they're – um, and down here is where kind of all the money is at the moment. This is where the – the uh, people with money and buying houses and renting. That's where they are, folks, aren't they? You've got lots of renters at this end of town, actually. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Maybe some of you guys know this. What's the average age? What's the average age of a first home buyer in Australia, folks? Put that in the chat for me right now. What's the average age of a first home buyer in Australia? Anyone know that one? Um Put that in the chat for me right now because I think many of us might be quite quite interested in that. Um, well, quite uh, quite surprised, quite surprised. Oh yeah, there you go. Look at that. What have we got here? We got thirty. We got everyone having a go. Like here we got thirty, thirty-four, thirty-three years old, um, twenty-two. Bob, 
A uh, long way off, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. The average age, folks, of recent times, I think it's the last five years, number uh, age uh, 35 for a new dwelling and um, and uh, 36 for uh, established dwellings. There you go. 55% of those um, first home buyers. Interesting, huh? Interesting. There you go. <laughs> Guessing. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Bob was 22. So, you know, Bob, we could probably do the old back in my day. Back in my day, um, I was in my mid-20s as well. Uh, so it's interesting, folks. And what does all this mean? Well, like what are we going to do about this sort of stuff? Uh, you know, all right, we've got some people potentially coming from overseas. Where are the incomes in Australia? We talked about the sort of the economics of things, jobs. Um, number one place in Australia with the highest incomes, ladies and gents, ACT. ACT, all right? So if we're looking at, you know, if we want our rents to be able to rise, if we want our rents to go up, if we want our rents to go up and we want our values to go up, well, people have got to have incomes to support that, don't they, right? By and large. Some places defy logic for me. Anyway, you know, place that defies logic for me is Tasmania. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's one of those places where um, the cost base was low and it's an attractive lifestyle move. Anyway, there you go. So you have a look at this, ladies and gents. Like, you know, the Northern Territory has got high incomes and uh, you look around Western Australia, after Northern Territory and um, and after Northern Territory and ACT, the next highest income uh, is 94,000. So, which is in West, uh, uh, New South Wales. So, you know, where have people got money? Where can they afford to buy and live? And, and um, you know, will those wages, will those salaries support higher incomes? Will those higher property prices, sorry? So, you know, when you think about that, where populations are going to be, uh, and let's have a look at our last but not least piece, you know, what's the projections of the capital cities um, it, up to 2032? And, you know, it's looking pretty pretty tidy when it comes to um, a few of the cities, folks. All right, so, you know, who's got high incomes, you know, um, Where's the population? Where's there some supply? Where's there's jobs? You know, you, you kind of put a few of these things together and uh, you add it up, all right? You have a look at what does it look like, you know? Melbourne and Sydney, you know, clearly look like they're going to get, you know, a bit of the lion's share when it comes to the population. Um, population. But, you know, as a percentage of their existing populations, that, that would make sense, right? So... The question is, where would you put your money knowing, you know, high incomes, uh, lower supply, good infrastructure, good stability, value pushing through, et cetera, et cetera. Good questions, good questions for us as property investors, all right? But the upside, the upshot of today's conversation is if we look at, not just short-term, folks, 
you know, there might be some short-term uncertainty. You know, interest rates are probably the, the main one right now, which concerns a few people. We've got rents going up. We've got the population rising. We've got supply and demands constricting. Well, we've got supply constricting, demand staying probably the same or even reducing a little bit, but still because the demand's so low, it doesn't matter. Uh, infrastructure, there's lots of jobs. You know, um, there's population coming, um, not only internal in Australia or to cities with work, but uh, the government has to bring in skilled migration. So for me, for you, short term, maybe just because everyone needs to, you know, find out or realise or get comfortable with what it, what it costs them to pay 1% more in interest. After that washes through, three, six, nine months, it's back on, folks. It's on like Donkey Kong again because there is no other um, – there's nothing else slowing down growth in our rents and our income. Property prices will slow. They have gone significantly up. But we all know that capital growth is a vanity metric. It's vain to measure your success by your properties going up in value. Your success should be measured on the progress towards your goal, all right? The progress towards your goal, which is something else for another day. I'll, I'll put that. I might make that a wealth coffee chat. Anyway, there you go, folks. Wealth coffee chat done and dusted. The population is looking strong at the moment. Where will it be stronger into the future? And where would we invest? You know, certainly for me, I'm a big fan. The big four for me right now, the big four for me right now, yeah, I don't think they'll go to 10%, Bob. Um, Been doing a lot of uh, chatting to a lot of smarter people than me, a lot of smarter people than me. One of them is Andy Fenton uh, and the people that he knows. And, um, you know, the trajectory, Bob, is between 45 and 5.5%. That's, that's the trajectory right now. And the 10-year and 30-year bonds, which I'm learning a lot about at the moment, um, is saying, hey, that's what it looks like. Anyway, nobody has a crystal ball, Bob, but all of us, you and me included, you know, we've always got to remember that uh, if uh, if you want to be secure in your investing, you've got to have some buffers and some safety uh, cash set up, right? So, you know, we can make our best educated decisions as investors by gathering information and connecting the dots in a way that makes sense to you and me as investors, property investors. But we all know nobody's got a crystal ball. Nobody knows the future, the exact future. And you always got to have a couple of dollars tucked away for something that might not go your way. All right? So that's called a safety buffer on all your properties. I always say five grand minimum for every property. And if you're a bit more conservative, have 10 grand in your redraw or offset account per property that you have for emergencies. Anyway, good to have you guys here. Thanks for joining me for another Wealth Coffee Chat. Join me tomorrow for another one, 8.10, roundabout, 8.10 usually, and we'll hang out and uh, chat some more. You guys have an awesome rest of your day. Marvellous Monday it is. Let's do it. Let's get to work. All right, team. Bye-bye. Have a good one. 